Hey Tiff, so it's probably time that we get to talking about one of the best video games of all time, Half-Life 2. I'm so happy to hear you call it that. It's kind of amazing to me how far you've come. I mean, I can I can give you a spoiler right now, but the reason I say that is because that's just what it's considered as, right? As one of the greatest <laughs> video games of all time. I do agree with the sentiment, of course. <laughs> so, we played Half-Life 2. Mm-hmm. Took a long time. It did take a long time. But don't you see now why I made you play the first one first? Yeah, I don't know if I would have appreciated Half-Life 2 as much if I hadn't played Half-Life 1. I mean, just for the story and understanding the backstory, but then seeing the just significant change in every direction of the game, mm-hmm. I think is important to put into context. Um, I still think that there's some stuff that I would have been able to to see as to why the game is important and why the game is good, but having the experience of playing the first game and then immediately going into the second I think really it it was a good idea. It was a shrewd move from you. I really wanted you to have that experience that the fan experience of we I played this Half-Life 1 and it's great. And then seeing what it has evolved into mm-hmm. and the magnificent butterfly <laughs> that hatched yeah. from yeah. this <laughs> like Half-Life cocoon. Like it's just that exhilaration and every stage that you move through Half-Life 2, you're like, I can't believe they did this. And now I can't believe they did this. And this is such a surprise in this part of the world. And it just, it keeps expanding and you keep finding those wonderful things. And you think back to the way the first game was where you're just making your way through one underground complex basically the whole time with maybe like a couple little um poorly done cliffside scenes but it's just the amount that the world has expanded and the things that you can do and interact with are just absolutely extraordinary between the two and now can't you see why everyone is so hungry for that half-life three like they wanted to be there so bad and it's never gonna happen i'm really in that stage because i just played it right so like everybody else it's kind of like a dormant feeling of like oh it would be great if we had this but now i'm red it's like oh come on let's do some more (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and and you know, there is a little bit more. There is like Half-Life 2, Episode 1 and 2. They're like extra mm-hmm. little parts. And we started playing Episode 1 and maybe we'll we'll finish those just like on a stream at some point in the future. Um, but really, what I, what I want is the same as what everybody wants, which is the conclusion to the story. Because the story is not taken care of. Um, and I want to see what the resolution is, but we'll probably never get it. Uh, history time. Yep. So obviously Half-Life 2 is the sequel to Half-Life. Uh, Half-Life was released in 1998, and Half-Life 2 was released in November of 2004 after a five-year development process, which cost $40 million to make. That's it? Yeah, that's it. That is it. (laughs) Valve created the Source Engine for this game. Um, We spoke about the Source Engine when talking about Half-Life because they kind of retroactively added some stuff to the original and when re-releasing the game. But the Source Engine handled the vast visual and audio enhancements and improvements from Half-Life 1 to Half-Life 2 and also powered the new Physics Engine, which we'll talk about in a bit why that's important, and also enhanced the enemy artificial intelligence as well. Um, Half-Life 2 was announced at E3 in 2003, originally set to debut in September of that year, so a year before it did actually come out. 
but it was delayed after Valve was hacked and big portions of the game were, re- were leaked for free online. Um, Valve appealed to the gaming community to help track down the hackers, and they were in- eventually arrested in June of 2004. There is a wild story about this arrest wow. that I'm not going to go into, but you should check out the Wikipedia page because the way it actually happened is kind of crazy. Can you go? I'm actually intrigued. Can you go into a tiny bit? Please? Yeah. Um, the hackers were somewhere in Europe, either Italy or Germany, and they kind of had communications with Valve, and it kind of seemed like Valve were going to try and hire this person to monitor security for them, which is a pretty typical thing in technology, right? Like, if somebody mm-hmm. can break into your systems, it might be best to have them on the inside. But then there was concern that this was actually like a sting operation because Valve were working with the FBI, and that as soon as that person would arrive, they would be arrested. So oh. as soon as that person came to the US. So then the, this, this, the, this individual's local government kind of found this out, but then arrested them instead. And so they were arrested in Germany. So that was kind of how that ended up playing out. It's kind of weird. There's like a little bit more detail to it, but... It's kind of like espionage. Yeah, it's like a a strange way that it all ended up getting resolved. But that person was ended uh, eventually arrested for the crime that they committed. But it was uh, a crime, yes. But many game players around the world benefited greatly from that crime by being able to play some of Half-Life 2 for free. Uh, obviously the game was delayed as Valve was undergoing this. They also made some pretty significant changes to the game itself because a bunch of it had leaked. Um, Half-Life 2 was met with overwhelming critical acclaim. Uh, it boasted maximum review scores from many outlets. Maximum PC even gave it an 11 out of 10. Yes. <laughs> calling it the best game ever made. And it scooped 39 Game of the Year awards uh, wow. in the year that it came out. By 2011, the game had sold 12 million copies worldwide and continues to be a good seller for Valve to this day. And we can see why, because it really holds up, mm-hmm. I have to say. It mm-hmm. holds up wonderfully. Yeah. And also, of course, Half-Life 2 saw many different revivals kind of over the years, like as it got packaged with the orange box, which... Mm-hmm. Which included Portal, which I think did, you know, it was like a bonus on both sides. Some people bought it for Portal and played Half-Life 2. Some people bought it for Half-Life 2 and played Portal. But that was like another kind of resurgence for the game. We were seeing so many little echoes of Portal throughout the entire gameplay, right? Like, oh, it's just there's so, so many obvious. things. Like the, <laughs> the world, the weaponry, like there's mm-hmm. just so many. I mean, there was... Some little hints in Half-Life, but it's way more in Portal. Like, you can almost see, like, Portal might have ended up originally starting as, like, a tech demo for Half-Life 3, right? Mm -hmm. Like, everybody loved the gravity gun, so we need a new big gun for the next game. Well, what about this gun that shoots portals? It's like, well, that's cool, but it kind of breaks everything, so let's just make it its own thing. Mm -hmm. Like, I can genuinely see that kind of move because portal the original was so clearly not a full video game right right which is why they never released it as such like it kind of felt more like we have this cool idea and that yeah, we have some puzzles and yeah, you're gonna go through them and you're exactly. gonna feel great about it and that's that's the end of it but it's like looking at it now having played half-life 2 it definitely feels like oh that was that was like one of your ideas for half-life 3 and it just mm-hmm. never ended up going anywhere so i want to talk about the world that Half-Life 2 is set in. I mean, obviously, it's much more vast. Much more vast. You know, it feels like as big as any game I've ever played. And it's done 
cleverly because it's a lot of like funneling you through very long areas, you know? Mm-hmm. So the actual size of the world is probably not as big as it feels. Um, but it feels huge, you know, especially when you're doing all of the like hoverboat stuff, right? And just going through these massive rivers and canals and like going from area to area. There's a lot of like forward motion in Half-Life 2. They give you a giant sense of you are traveling somewhere and you yeah. have a journey to complete. Like that's what comes in the very beginning when you get all those little um, flashes of the different areas when all the equipment's going wrong in in Dr. Kleiner's office yes. and you kind of like get almost like chapters of like, the the table of contents in a book where here's a whole bunch of places that you're going to be going mm-hmm. and you don't know that yet because it's the beginning of the game and then you spend the rest of the game kind of traveling through all of these places and trying to get what get to different areas and accomplish different things and it really does give you that feeling of i just went on quite the trek and Mm -hmm. made it through and i finally got to the checkpoint uh, that i needed to get to and then oh wait there's another journey ahead of me and it gives you that urgency of you are resisting you Mm -hmm. know you have to get through somewhere because you have to meet up with this other group and there's this underground um clan of people that are are helping you and it's just it really, really puts you into the world without just feeling like you're walking through some hallways. Yeah, because it is funny because they're, they're like hallways, right? Yeah, they are like hallways. It, but they're they don't look like, like that. But they are just big hallways. But yep. it, So it's, it's very clever. It's like the same thing they did in the original, right? Like the actual space that Half-Life occupies is small, but it feels like you're in this big facility yeah like a big facility but in half-life 2 they do a similar thing but they make it this much more open environment and it's only like enhanced by the look of the different environments like there are a bunch of different Mm -hmm. sections in this game all with very very distinct looks right you've got like ravenholm which we'll get to citadel (laughs) um and then you've got like the the coast you have yeah and then when you're doing that kind of section where you're basically after the antlions, you're effectively on foot moving through these like different groups of enemies. And you have the mines and yes. then you have the um, the bridge that you're going through and then you have the highway system. Like there are a lot of spots to go through. And I just I love that this game takes the Half-Life world outside. I think that that is the best part about the environment in the world is that you're outside i don't know it's just something about being outside no it's very important feels so like a, a breath of fresh air that you can you have this character that has been seen crawling through duck space inside of a building for so long and you're not just inside another building uh, it's just like that's what makes it feel so epic and vast it puts into context that you're as a part of a larger world and that there are other people because mm-hmm. it's not claustrophobic. It doesn't lock you into this one room or this one building and that's all you're in for the entire mm-hmm. time. Like the way that you're able to move around outside, you're like, oh, well, there must be other people here, right? Like this is a this is a living and breathing world and they do a lot, I think, to give that impression with the when the team mechanics pop up later on in the yes. game right because it's like well there are other people there and i keep bumping into them 
it's, it's super interesting. And they're actually different. <laughs> like most yes. of them are pretty different and yeah. they have their own voices and <laughs> abilities. Yeah. Yeah. Right. <laughs> they're, they, they, I, very, I very much like that, like the retcon of Barney and Dr. Kleiner because they're now mm-hmm. one person rather than yes. all the people and they have proper <laughs> voice acting in this game. About that beer I owed you. It's me, Gordon, Barney from Black Mesa. Hey, sorry for the scare. I had to put on a show for the cameras. I've been working undercover with civil protection. Um, and they introduce other characters as well, right? But I just think it's kind of funny that they establish these people. It's like, what, did I just keep bumping into the same guy all the time? Like, is that what we're <laughs> going to say is, is what happened here? But I do like that. I like that part a lot. And I also like when we inter- when you get introduced to Barney and he's like, it's me, Barney. <laughs> You know, the guy. (laughs) It's like, wow, Barney, you look nothing like you used to. Did you have work done? (laughs) Yeah, it's like, you you look really, you look like you maybe had a nice vacation or something. I don't know what's going Mm -hmm. on with him. But I I like that. I like that they kind of do that. They introduce it because what it shows me is he was a meme at that point, Mm -hmm. right? Like to people that have played Half-Life, Barney was like a funny guy like it was like a funny thing to be like oh there's bonnie the guy who keeps popping up so it's like hey it's me (laughs) right like he has like this fun little introduction to you um, which i imagine when you're playing half-life 2 when you bump into bonnie it's like if you've been waiting for so long it's like that is like a real i know where i am because (laughs) the game opens in a very different environment, right? It's like you're getting off this train and you're out in the world and there's like this whole big brother feeling and mm-hmm. it's like super alien feeling. Like this isn't what... This doesn't feel the way that the last game felt. Like this is different. And then when you see Barney, it's like a real anchor into the world that you know. I feel like if this were a movie and you're watching it with an audience in a movie theater, that when Barney came on, everyone would be like, "Woo!" Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. It would be the big <laughs> cheer know? moment. Yeah, everyone would be so excited, like when you're watching Star Wars with the group. Yes. <laughs> it's like the returning character, everybody's yeah. fave. It would be fantastic. But yeah, when you bring up the entrance to the world, I, I do love how they make that transition, that you're getting yeah. off the train just like you were on the train at the end of the other one, yep. but you're put into this whole different world. And as you walk off the train and there's things everywhere you slowly figure out i can touch all of it i can pick up all of this like i can interact with every part of this world and it is absolutely magical to feel that from this game Mm -hmm. i that to me when the first time i played it it was just the the biggest delight right there where you're like i can pick up that can and throw it like what? <laughs> this is awesome. Yeah, I got a. Uh, it's funny. You you can watch our streams. I get like a little bit distracted because it does all <laughs> seem so weird that like I'm just like hanging out for way too long in the opening part of the game. I think everyone does though. Uh, yeah, because the AI is basically programmed to start attacking you <laughs> if you <laughs> if you hang around for too long. There, it's quite clever. Like, okay, we know we've got to push people through this game eventually. And it's it's it keeps in tone with the world. Like that's mm-hmm. exactly what they would do if someone was like messing around with the garbage cans. They're like, "Hey, hey, you!" And then they get their like you know electrified billy sticks and they yep. just yeah just move you along like cattle. But it's 
I think that that I wonder what percentage of players the first time that they pick this up, they get themselves just totally distracted and like, I just want to take everything in, in this tiny beginning part and then also just get (laughs) moved along by the AI. There is also like that feeling for me where it's like, I don't, I feel like I don't understand the world that I'm in anymore. Like this is different. Like why is there now a big brother fact like Mm -hmm. character why is breen talking to me like there is i i feel like in that moment i'm just trying to soak in as much information as i can as to what's going on i mean and that is a a a pretty normal feeling for me with both of these games where Mm -hmm. like the story is really not very clearly telegraphed like a lot of what is going on and you really kind of just have to pay attention to pick it up but the story is loose it's it's it feels like kind of sand like i pick it up and it falls through my fingers like i I feel like i don't completely understand why or all of this stuff is happening but i don't feel like that is unintentional i feel that way too that's what i wanted to ask you about is the idea of how half-life one ended where you had this choice right to like go work for the g-man or you know kind of be sentenced to death in the alien world i guess and then all of a sudden you're back on this train and he's asking you to do something uh, for him mm-hmm. and you get off the train and then all of a sudden you're just like the messiah of this resistance. And it's like, wait, what happened? Why am I back? How did he get me back? What, how did I start here? Like th- that I can't really hold on to that part of the story. Yeah, it is a bit because, and then again, it's like even the end of the game, it doesn't make sense to me either. Like there, there is that like disconnect of this game, which is why I want more of it because I don't mm-hmm. feel like I understand the relationship between Breen, the G-Man, and and uh, Gordon. Like I don't f- understand how these three people operate together. Like, yeah, is Breen working for the G-Man? I don't know that. It doesn't necessarily feel like that's the case, even though logically you'd assume that's what's going on. But then, like, what does the G-Man want from Gordon? And mm-hmm. am I working for him? Like, it is, it's, it doesn't fully make sense, but I feel like that's kind of what you would expect out of the middle of a story. We're in the mm-hmm. middle, but we never get the end, right? So yeah. I agree. It's like that is... I don't consider it a bad part of the game. No, because during the gameplay, that doesn't affect me. At <laughs> all. But it is a yeah. thing that when I'm trying to like contextualize why I'm doing a lot of this stuff, it doesn't fully gel in my brain. So like, yeah. what, what is going on here? Now, before we move on away from the world, I want to hear about what you thought of the certain areas, because I certainly have a favorite area that I love playing and I will go back and I'll, I'll play that area again because it's so great. I know it's, it's Ravenholm, right? Like Ravenholm. Oh, yeah. Ravenholm so. is fun, but I, I like both enjoyed it and hated it. Right. Oh, because it's so good. It's so out there. And I don't hate it in that. I don't like it. I hate it because it scares me. Uh, and <laughs> that, you know, I'm scared. <laughs> I'm super pleased that I played this game with you because this is where I could bounce off of a game on my own. Because mm-hmm. I don't yeah. like that creepy feeling. And oh boy, does Ravenholm have it, right? Like oh, so people are on fire and screaming at you. And then there are all those like 
I don't know the names of the monsters, but the ones that run at you didn't like yeah, those. Yeah, I don't know. They're the fast zombies. <laughs> did not like those because it's like, well, you're breaking everything, every rule that I thought was set about the way that these my oh, enemies and the sound move. of their clacking, the, the coming, oh. the... Oh, God. No, I don't. I did not. But but okay, the first time you're walking up to Ravenholm and mm-hmm. there's stuff hanging from the trees and it's mm-hmm. like dark and misty and it looks totally like a horror movie. It's so great. And then you can discover that you can pick up those saw blades. Well, look, that's what makes it all worth gun. it, right? The oh, saw blades. My gosh, like they're just incredible. stuck in the wall and you're like, what yeah. are these for? And I was dying inside waiting for you to figure that out. I was absolutely dying. It was It is <laughs> it was one killing of me. Just the many mechanical brilliances of this game is that. And I've never experienced that in a other game, which is wild to me. That, But I guess it's like, well, unless you're just straight up ripping off Half-Life 2, I don't know how you could incorporate it. But the idea of like, well, you don't have a traditional weapon, but you have a weapon that can pick up anything metal and fire it. Well, now you have gas canisters and razor blades like like saw blades just pick them up bounce them around at people what i like is that you can pick them back up again you know like that's how you reload it's genius and like lining up there's like this very clever there's like a bunch of staircases and stuff in this area so like lining them up and waiting for a bunch of like the zombies to appear and then just firing a razor blade through six of them or whatever is (laughs) one of the most satisfying experiences i've ever felt in a video game when you can like knock them all up and get a strike like that is basically perfect it's so brutal and it's so gory but i delight in it (laughs) whereas most games i wouldn't but yeah this it was just absolutely magical can i say magical for raven (laughs) This, this is the problem of it right it's like it is incredible and i loved it but i'm also terrified of it which is like this fun little uh experience that i have going on it's super creepy it's so <laughs> horrible but also great it's i'm very conflicted about ravenholm little parts of this game that i see especially sometimes the the parts of the world where you're on a river and you have kind of like an abandoned ship house and um like a shipping yard Mm -hmm. facility and something like Ravenholm every once in a while I'll be out in real life and Marco and I will like turn to each other and we'll be like half-life two like it just it'll look like half-life two in this creepy kind of abandoned way or because the, the the world is built so realistically like the train yards and the river and the the just it all has a place in our world and when you come across those little abandoned areas sometimes especially like on the train into manhattan we're like oh that's half-life 2 <laughs> i think it <laughs> like helps it is- that like this game graphically holds up mm-hmm. um in a way that i wouldn't have expected like it still looks really good and feels yeah. modern like it, half-life feels old Yes. Right. When you when you play it, it feels very old. But Half Life Two, you know, I'm playing it, and I'm like, I feel like I still play games that look like this one. (laughs) Right. Like I feel like that this is a thing that I still do. Like it wasn't jarring. It didn't. It didn't break anything for me. It felt like all right. This is a video game. Like it had that Mm -hmm. feeling to it, and I think that definitely helps. Right. With the being able to compare it to realistic things because it has a realistic feeling. 
yeah, especially the world. And, I, and you know, the, the only advancement I think that a lot of things have had is that maybe there's more smoothing. There's a little bit more realism into it. Well, and also you can build, um, you know, like we're saying that everything feels like corridors. Like you don't mm-hmm. have that. That is like a that is a you only have so much you can draw at such high fidelity. So right. you have to shrink it down, you know, and that's something that's different to games today. Right, right. Of course, for like the ones that are looking for like that ultra realistic feel. Mm-hmm. But then you do have games that model themselves off of older games. So they're not striving for, um, you know, that hyper realism. Yep. And so that's why this doesn't feel so weird, because there are brand new games that have come yeah, out the rise of that the still game. have that little, yep. you know, kind of polygon style. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because that's like if you don't have a big team, you actually can't afford to play in the big, big graphic area, right? But mm-hmm. you can make games that are more like this. I mean, this game cost forty million. Like this was the AAA game of its time, you know? Right. This was like this is the maximum that a game company can output graphically and mechanically. Like this is it, you know? But now, all these years later, the effort to create a game that looks and has some of the elements of a half-life 2 can be done by smaller teams because you know that's just the way it goes right it becomes cheaper to make a game like this um i mean of course you you can't (laughs) right like (laughs) you can't just make half-life 2 but you know it's like i watched the rest of the no clip documentary Mm -hmm. um, which we spoke about when we watched the original half-life and it shows the people that are trying to build like half-life episode three on their own and stuff like that and they're small teams and they can do it part-time and they can do something that looks amazing right and and without 40 million dollars in their pockets right like that's that's kind of the difference that the time has brought on but like i'm super excited to play some of that stuff yeah when as it comes out because they're made by fans they're going to be as good as we're going to get because it's very unlikely that valve will do anything I love that even in that documentary, the fans who are building it, they even consider like, why would Gordon start holding his firearm in a different way? Yes. From how he always had like you, everyone knows you're supposed to use two hands now, you know, like it's not just like video game, shoot them up kind of thing. People want more realism. Because you physically can't shoot that way. In, exactly. In, yeah. But <laughs> they go through the agony of, of deciding like, well, he wouldn't change up the way he does this if he's been doing it this way for years so it's like i love that they put all of that consideration yep. into this and yep. that's like that fan them like oozing out of it and it's really good i'm very yeah, excited it, for it makes like sense that. right because it's like if this is a linear story why would like 20 minutes later he's completely changed his fighting style like that doesn't make yep. any sense right so yeah that is like this is what happens when you put fans on a project, <laughs> right? Like, and then this is why, like, you end up with a lot of these companies, a lot of these, a lot of long-running franchises, end up getting and keeping their like ability to stay good because eventually fans of the thing work on the thing. You know, like right. this happens a lot in like Disney movies or whatever, right? Like, ultimately, you get kids that grew up as fans of Disney going to work for Disney, and then they care so much and continue the trend right and so that's why there's like a consistency to how good the productions can be over a longer period of time or like you know something like star wars right people work on star wars today grew up loving star wars so that they they continue to want to keep making it the best it can be all right should we open the loot box um sure let's do it So 
so we spoke a lot about the videos. We, the entire we we stream the entire thing. The entire thing, Half Life Two, is available to you, um, and you can catch us on our YouTube channel, which is YouTube.com/slash/PlayingForFunFM. We have a playlist there, so you can watch the entire playthrough if you want to. Um, it's all there available to you, and there's a lot of great. It was a great. I really, really enjoy playing through this game. Yeah, me too. It was a, a really great experience to play through it. Thank you, by the way, to the everybody for the great reaction to the funsies. Yes, I, we really enjoyed putting that episode together. It will become a tradition now. You know, I, I think we will do this every year um, to kind of rank the previous year's games, as we mentioned, and then eventually trying to like rank all of those together against each other i need to work out the mechanics of how we're gonna do that but we have a year let's not worry <laughs> Come on, about chancellor it. you could make it work yeah, the chancellor can make that happen so yeah but thank you so much to everybody who uh shared their thoughts about the episode that was really great and of course as always a huge thanks goes to to jelly for the artwork for every single episode you can see it as the episode art for this episode um, but also on our Instagram. Our Instagram is full of the wonderful um, illustrations that Jelly has done for us. We've even been talking about uh, getting some of the games that he hasn't done mm-hmm. worked on. Um, so we're going to try and complete out the entire set. So you should follow us on Instagram, uh, instagram.com slash playingforfunfm, and you can see those. Um, we're pretty low uh, frequency on Instagram, so like we're, we're easy to follow. We're not going to spam you, but you will get uh, the, a lovely illustration every month that's come from Jelly, so you can see all of those. And we're building a pretty pretty sweet collection of them on there, so that's pretty great. I'm really glad I'm Gordon this time. Yeah, I feel yep. like it's only only fair. <laughs> this is in the consistent flip flopping <laughs> since the Splatoon incident. Yeah. Uh, now, now I am being terrorized in this one, so that makes perfect sense. <laughs> all right this episode is brought to you in part by express vpn we can probably all hold our hand up and think that cybercrime is something that happens to other people it is it well let me tell you <laughs> tiff oh no unfortunately bad news stealing data from people like you and me using public wi-fi is one of the simplest ways for hackers to make money so well shoot yeah exactly you don't want to leave your internet connection encrypted because your information, your passwords, they can be all vulnerable. You don't want it out there vulnerable to the world, to cyber criminals. So you should start using ExpressVPN to protect yourself. ExpressVPN works by securing and anonymizing your internet browsing. It encrypts your data and hides your public IP address with easy-to-use apps that run seamlessly in the background of your device. You can have this on your iPhone. You can have this on your iPad. You can have this on your Mac. That's what I do. So when I'm traveling, when I'm in hotels, when I'm in airports, when I'm in coffee shops... You can just turn on ExpressVPN. It's just one click to do it. You can do it in the apps. You can even do it in iOS settings as well. And then you can be free to safely surf on public Wi-Fi without being snooped on or having your data stolen. And that's exactly what I do. It feels kind of stealth, doesn't it? It is. Doesn't it make you feel a little like spytastic? Well, I get that like, ha kind of feeling every time. <laughs> you disappear just like you throw the magician's um, uh, smoke and go, <laughs> can't catch me, cyber criminal. That's right. <laughs> ExpressVPN was rated the number one VPN service by TechRadar, and it comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee. For less than $7 a month, you can get the same protection from ExpressVPN that I have. If you ever use public Wi-Fi and want to keep the bad guys away from your data, you need ExpressVPN. So go to expressvpn.com slash playing for fun to learn more and protect your online activity today and get three months free by going to expressvpn.com slash playing for fun. I will spell that out for you. It's expressvpn.com slash playing for fun to get three months free of a one-year package. Our thanks to ExpressVPN for their support of this show and Relay FM. 
And you can also go and follow us on Twitter at Playing for Fun FM. And that's where we tweet about when we are doing streams on Twitch and when the shows go up. And uh, we also love tweeting out Jelly's art. There are great things out there. And when we start, I don't know, making stuff, maybe we're going to be tweeting that kind of stuff too. So and it's not a ton, again, just like Instagram, we're not all over the place, we're not going to bog down. But I think it would be nice in between all of the political riffraff that's going on, just some nice little Mm -hmm. video game art here and there popping up in your stream. Tiff was teaching merch, we have merch on the way. Oh, yeah, yeah. Just be aware of that. Yep. We have it, it's on the way. It's in the works. We, we've got some stuff. We're very excited about it. So yes. you got to keep it locked. We'll tell you. Don't worry. You're going to have time. But follow us on social media and you will hear about it first. Well, we would be terrible business people if we didn't give time for people to get our yeah. merch. It's like, like oh, that would if we only started for 20 minutes last Wednesday, you missed out. Sorry. <laughs> oh, FOMO. Sorry. <laughs> no, but don't worry. We're going to bring it back after that 20-minute sale. So don't worry. It's going to be back. We're going to get it <laughs> So if you uh, are into it, just make sure you go over also on Twitch mm-hmm. and see us at Playing for Fun FM also on Twitch. We're, we're very, very consistent. consistent. Very consistent. I'm very pleased about that. Mm-hmm. But we love the the streamers. Yeah. St- oh, no, we're the streamers. We're the streamers. They're the They're the players. People like <laughs> Rebecca. Rebecca. Steetrain. Doug Beal. These are people. Mr. The Wilka. These are people that uh, have subscribed to us on Twitch. Doug is everywhere. Doug's everywhere, including <laughs> Doug in is Twitch. Everywhere. <laughs> uh, it's very easy to do this. You can, if you're an Amazon Prime customer, you can hook it up with Twitch, and you get a free subscription that you can just give to us every month if you want to. And we stream pretty much every Friday at 10:30 Eastern. Um, and again, we do tweet about that, but that is our very, very typical streaming schedule. Uh, we've had some travel recently; it's a big travel time, but that is when yep. we are usually streaming Friday at 10:30 a.m. Eastern. And this episode is also sponsored by Care Of. Our and best friends at Care Of. We do like Care Of. Mm-hmm. I'm, I, I'm into it. I got. I have a whole story, but I'll tell okay. you later after I tell you a little bit about Care Of because it's a monthly subscription vitamin service. Vitamin. Oh, vitamin, vitamin, vitamin service. service. <laughs> The vitamin service that delivers carefully personalized vitamins and supplements, supplements. What do we? What do we supplements agree on? Supplements and we, vitamins. Supplements and vitamins, right? Uh, anyway, they deliver packs of this stuff right to your door, and you may have wondered at some point whether you're getting all the vitamins you need. I mean, I wonder that because I like to stay healthy, and it turns out that ninety percent of people are lacking in one vitamin or nutrient. So Care Of is here to help you figure out what you need with a fun online quiz that asks you about your diet, health goals, and lifestyle choices. And I got to say, it's super fun to take because mm-hmm. they they have little tiny smiley faces that are really excited Makes when you, you answer good. questions. It does. And it just takes five minutes to complete and it'll work out exactly what you need because they don't want to give you stuff that you don't need. So they give you great stuff that you do and it'll help you find out what you need. Mm-hmm. There we go. Um, and because they know that you're busy, care of will send you vitamins, right? Vitamins. Oh, still, I'm going to get this at one point. I'm going to get it. I am. And I'll be proud of you. I know. I, I, I just, that's all I want is for you to be proud of me. <laughs> <laughs> and vitamins. Those two things. Mm-hmm. I want true. pride and vitamins. They're the only that's things right. I care about. <laughs> And I want vitamins right to my door. That's Uh what I really want. Personalized, easy to remember daily packs. That's what I really want delivered. And guess what? That's what Care of delivers. Lucky you. I know. 
<laughs> and they're super handy if you're traveling too, because you just grab a couple of them, pop them in your bag. You don't even have to count them out. You don't need to get one of those pill boxes. It's it, they're all just packaged up. It's pretty amazing. And if you're vegan or vegetarian, they'll totally cater to that too. Uh, I got to say, I got their little um, powdered, what is it called? It's like immune stuff, like a probiotic immunity thing. And they come in these little packets and they're really tasty. And I'm on a, a keto diet, so I don't eat a lot of sugar. And these don't have sugar all in them, like the other ones that you'd get in the grocery store. They're really good. And I had them all laid out like a perfect amount that I had delivered for care of personalized to me. And what happens? My husband steals them. That's what he does. He takes them all. And I'm like, where are all of my stuff? Where is it? How am I going to immune boost if I don't have them? And he he was swiping them all secretly. And it was just ridiculous. And because he thought they were so much better than the ones that he had. So he stole them. And that's super rude. You know what you need to tell him, right? He needs to get his own. Yeah. And how does he do that? Oh, well, he goes on to takecareof.com and he enters the code playing for fun 50 so he can get 50% off his first month of personalized care of vitamins. But what's even better is it's not just for Tiff's husband. It's for yeah. everyone. <laughs> it's for everyone. But that's what he should do. He and should that's do what you it. should do. And then everybody else should do it as well. So if you have multiple people in your house and you don't want them stealing your vitamins, everyone should go over to takecareof.com and promo code playing for fun 50 for 50% off your first month first month of vitamins first uh, now i can't say the word month first <laughs> this is how it happens when you correct on one word you do forget <laughs> another one and unfortunately month was the one that you sacrificed for vitamins <laughs> oh our special thanks to care of for their support of this show and relay fm and for helping me learn how to say vitamins correctly that's me now that's all on me that part that's true. I'm sorry. You get credit for that. Thank you, Mike Hurley. Yeah, no problem. Let's go back to talking about this game, huh? Okay. So, obviously, everything is much more polished in kind of every area. One of the big ones is uh, I, I don't feel like as much hate towards ladders and small surfaces. Yeah, they were much kinder this time. I feel like they kind of took care of that. It feels like with Half-Life 2, they more adequately understood the pitfalls of their process and did not create <laughs> platforming elements because it, they just couldn't do it right. Like the engine mm -hmm. or whatever just couldn't handle it. So this game had way less of them, which was welcome, I think. Yeah, but they made up for it in other ways where you had to use the gravity gun to kind of get around yeah. or take down barriers. And they still gave you that interacting with the environment feel. Mm -hmm. uh, one specific point I remember is in the train yard when the logs fall off of one of the train cars and it kind of provides cover for you from the snipers. So it's... Yep. It's like they still use the environment. They still had some jumping puzzles where you had to get on top of a train to get across the tracks or um, there were some bridges kind of built between buildings at one point. So they still gave you that feeling of I'm vigilante walking around this world in places that I shouldn't because they were built out for this resistance to get around without actually going onto the ground. And I like that. But it didn't make it feel like the impossible jumping experiences that the first one had. Yeah, I agree. 
the gravity gun is the big thing though like that's oh, yeah. that's the mechanic you may as well just call this gravity gun game because <laughs> yeah. it's kind of it's kind of all i really care about so it is a weapon that allows you to in its first iteration you can drag things towards you that are made of metal and you can fire them back or you can like shoot at them metal or wood yeah or wood too that's true yeah it was it was basically anything as long as it wasn't too heavy or nailed down right anything yeah like you could like, pull and mm-hmm. you could push with it as well yeah so you could pull things towards you and fire them out or you could just push things away um mm-hmm. and then later in the game it kind of through a macguffin like process becomes extra powerful uh and you can then <laughs> use it on humans <laughs> just one of my favorite things i've ever done in a video game is there is like a area which is very star wars-esque these large open expanses of inside of a facility with citadel yeah it's in the citadel but like it's it reminds me of like the death star yeah because it's like a lot of nothing but it's big right and there's like people running around and you're kind of being swarmed by enemies and you can effectively, as I was doing, just grab them and fire them into the air, like just in the, and they will just cross these vast dif- like distances and just be gone forever. Well, because they took away all your weapons, so that's what you're yep. left with. That was all you're left with. You didn't necessarily have to play the game the way I did, but that was my <laughs> favorite thing. How far can I fire uh, an enemy? And it was incredible. See, I love that part because I feel like that's a little, um, it's a present to the players. It's a little reward that you get yes. from making your way through the entire game. Well, because you, you also become a pretty much unkillable at that point too. Right. And, and that's why I think it's, there's still gameplay. There's still strategy. You can still die and then have to start over again in that area. But it's... It's like this nice little delightful, you actually get to feel like you're in a battle, but you're having a lot of fun Mm -hmm. with it. So it is, it's like this beautiful, (laughs) brutal reward that you're getting. And it's saying, you know what, there's still going to be a challenge here, but go for it. Like, just go crazy. And it is such a delight. I've never seen a game give you that kind of reward of minor invincibility before Mm -hmm. like that and to be able to play around with such a cool powerful weapon it's like they were almost like we love this idea for the weapon so much we want to take away some of the challenge so you can enjoy it more yes um because if with the way that i was playing i'm able to absorb more bullets than than usual which i wouldn't be able to do and still be able to play with the gravity gun in the way that I wanted to, right? Like I had more time to be able to grab someone and throw them because the amount of damage that I was taking was way less. So um, the, the the no clip documentary says that the reason that this gun was in there because of the physics work that they'd done, it was kind of like a cause and effect. So when they were building the source engine and testing out the physics, they created this weapon so they could test it. Like they created mm-hmm. just like as a way that they could play in like a sandbox to like move stuff around. And they had so much fun with it that they basically just decided to include it in the game, which I love. It's so good. I mean, and this is one of the, as you're saying, it was one of the main mechanics that made this game what it is. And it's, I think I'm saying this correctly, that it was the only thing that you had kind of a tutorial for in the game was using this gun. It brought you to a separate area where you were with Alex and Dog and 
it was teaching you how to move things around. Yep. Everything else kind of just put you through it. Like you were just like, oh yeah, firearms and this and jumping and that. Like everyone knows how to do all that stuff. The game took you out of the gameplay to have like this time in the yard. It was all involved in the story, but it it pulled you out to teach you about this. And that to me definitely highlights like this is a significant part of this game and you need to master it in order to move on through. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, it's a sit down for a minute, right? Like this is mm-hmm. like a thing that you need to do. There's some paint cans over there. Shoot them at the wall and see what happens, right? Like they really Play some take... fetch with this giant mechanical dog. <laughs> exactly. They're like, take some time to really make you understand what mm-hmm. you have here because they want you to see like this is how you use this and this is what it can let you do because you're going to need to know later yeah actually it occurs to me the other time that they did that was with the antlion pheromones they had like the mr miyagi yes. uh <laughs> vorticon that was there teaching you how to use the antlion balls what were they i don't know the female will now be instructed in the use of pheromones the antlions stuff is wild that <sighs> whole scene and that whole thing is wild it feels almost out of nowhere like you yep. get raven home which is just glorious and you think like okay zombies and head crabs and all the regular half-life stuff and then you get to the beach levels with those antlions oh my gosh you have to change the way you play nowhere because yeah. you, you cannot win in a firefight against them they and, will and ultimately the ground, overpower you. The floor is lava in yeah. this part. Of the game. Yep. <laughs> it's yep. so good that they put in a floor's lava level. Mm-hmm. Oh, so wonderful. Which did actually give me my favorite moment from the stream where you kind of have this like garbage trail that you, you can <laughs> walk on. There's like a door and like a bookcase or whatever and some crates yeah there's like a bed frame crates an old boat half like all kinds of garbage and you're effectively doing the management training technique (laughs) game like the icebreaker game of like right you have to get from here to here but you only have this amount of wooden planks so like you walk and you pick one up from behind you put it in front of you that's kind of the way that you move (laughs) along and then i ended up accidentally landing a door into a crate but then when I picked up the crate, I could surf along the ground. It was, it was so fantastic. <laughs> oh, it was so good. It was very good. I have um, quite the story that I didn't tell you on the stream. Okay. But so during this part of the game, there are these, the best thing I can call them are poundy things that are on the, that are um, built. And yeah. if you turn them on, it keeps the antlions away. Mm-hmm. Imagine like big drill hammers going into the ground, basically. And you figured this out right away because the first one you come to is on. And when you get close to it, the antlions don't follow you. Yep. So <laughs> when I was playing, um, I go up to it. And usually your first instinct when you get to something that is on in a video game is you turn it off. Yep. Or if something is yep. off, you turn it on. You always you always hit the switch. At right? least to see what happens. Right. Exactly. I hit the switch. I'm completely swarmed by ant lions, and uh, I'm playing on hard. So there's like ten thousand of them. It just course, absolutely obliterates me. Like, oh, I'm playing on hard. Oh yeah, time. yeah. Did you like oh, that? I was trying play, to tell myself. Playing on sh- hard. Shut up. <laughs> I was trying to tell myself I wasn't going to throw that in there. I'm like, play it cool. Play it cool. No, no, no. I gotta tell I'm you, not it some was little baby video game player. I'm playing hard always. 
It takes me 10 times as long to get through it, though. Uh-huh. So it's, I wasn't going to say it, but I said it because I'm Way the worst. more committed than you to the game. <laughs> I just need a t-shirt that says, I play on hard, humble brag. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I turn off the poundy thing and I get swarmed by ant lions and I proceed to never make the connection that this keeps the ant lions away. And I run through the entire beach chased by ant lions, constantly turning all of these off. I turn them all off because I thought it was my, my live through video game mentality said I'm turning off something that's some sort of system that I need to get off and I don't want to go back and have to turn all these off in order to get through to the next level like that's what I was thinking was happening I don't know why Marco's watching me play this entire time uh, because he already played through it and I was playing through it next and he didn't say a word he was he played it so cool and never told me I got to the end of the ant lion beach and I'm like that was the most difficult thing I've ever played and he was like you're absolutely nuts I can't believe you got through it I know we still joke about that I never I never turned them on I turned them all off I made it so hard for myself it was impossible I think I died like 700 times. Yeah. Like, it was absolutely impossible. And I just thought it was just really difficult. And the second time I played through it, I turned them all on. Yeah. Just I was like, what is this game? This, this, is, this is just so a easy. freaking Am I playing breeze. on easy now? What is this? It's <laughs> just like, look, I don't just play on hard. I play on hard and then make it even harder for myself. It's the only way to play. If you're not challenged, Listen, what's HP, the point? Hurley. You're out there challenging yourself quite a bit. No, no, no. See, the one HP Hurley thing is my inability to keep more than one health point at all but times. But you survive through it. You, well, that's you when basically the pressure's do on, the you know? one HP runs accidentally, well, that's, but you that's still when do the real them. Pressure. That's when the real pressure just gets me. <laughs> but, oh, man. Those poundy things. Just the worst. We do need them. Well, they're, not, they're actually the best if you yeah, use they're them the correctly. Best. Oh, my gosh. I just can't believe that I went through that whole thing and Marco didn't say anything. So rude. <laughs> I gotta say, my favorite thing about this game is its ability to surprise me. Yes, absolutely. Like, it, the way that things constantly change, like all the different types of games you're playing, sometimes you're mm-hmm. being stealthy and sneaky, and then there's like random team-based gameplay that's just thrown in there. It's like, oh, you have a team now. Right, like commanding all the ant lions, right? Like, who pictured that twist? All of a sudden, you're just commanding an army of ant lions and mm-hmm. you're throwing these, um, oh, the pharopods, that's what they're yep. called. You're throwing them and they're swarming and attacking the soldiers up on the horizon and up on like these lookout towers. And I remember at one point you were like, oh my God, that worked? Like, I just did this and it actually worked. It was amazing. And then there's like, when you actually end up with a team of humans, right? And you get mm-hmm. like even additional UI for them, like how many are alive and you end up with like a healer and a couple of like artillery people. It's like, this is a totally different game now. Now we're playing a team-based game and I even have controls to like stay and go over there and stuff like that. And then there are like all of these moments where you're destroying things with rocket launchers. There's a lot of that <laughs> in this game, but it's done way better than it was in the original. Or there's that moment where you're like, oh, there's a crane. Get in the crane and use the crane. 
That's what mm-hmm. you're doing now. Or then this is like a horror part. This is like just a heart. Just like there, are, there's a moment. There's like a like a chapter in this game where it's an absolute hardcore shooter. Yes. Like all you are doing now is going through and just clearing rooms. That is all you are doing. And then it's like, oh, now you've got to explore all these buildings. Like there, I I can't recall a game that I've played where every like 20 to 30 minutes they're throwing out the rule book and here's yeah. a completely new game for you it's wild it's, yeah it's like you have minecart levels or like driving levels and then all of a sudden you you're falling into a puzzle game in order to continue on going mm-hmm. and it's they integrate it all together and it's just wonderful and it really does keep you on your toes and it i think that that helped us get through such a long game because it wasn't just repetitive shooting over and over again i feel like those moments felt like the longest to me they did they drag when we were playing yeah they drag a little bit but because in the majority of the gameplay they mix it up so much it doesn't feel like we spent as many hours as we did playing. It took us about 25 hours to do the whole thing. That's not bad. But that's a lot of time. Yeah, it took me probably twice as long. Well, because <laughs> we did it like a couple of hours a week for 10 weeks, mm-hmm. like 10, 10 episodes. We were playing the game basically for three months. I like the idea of having a really long game at this point in, our, uh, in the year because mm-hmm. I feel like next year... I would like to tackle um, The Last of Us because I feel like yeah. that world feels a lot like the Half-Life world mm-hmm. in the way you're getting through everything. And that's such a big game and that again, we, we should do it then. That's a game where I need an adult around because I get get a bit <laughs> get, got a bit scared of that game and uh, <laughs> stop playing it. I'll be with you. I Thank promise. You. I, get, I get scared of games and I can't, can't play them anymore. Because uh, that's just how I am. Like this, oh, I spoke about that with Firewatch, right? Like I was pretty concerned about that with Firewatch because I played like the first twenty minutes at a convention and was freaked out by the guy with the with the torch. Yep, I was there with you for that. You were, yeah, you actually were. I was actually there. Sure, I was okay, and uh, I was a little concerned that like is the whole game going to be like that? Cause I really want to play it, but really it's, it's creepy in a different way. Firewatch like there, that's the only like jumpy moment um, mm-hmm. in, in the whole game. Well, you made it through Raven home. I think you could do it. Yeah. Raven home, man. Cause Oof. there are some really, so we should talk about the characters and how some of the aliens and mm-hmm. even some of the characters, like um father Grigori in Raven home. He's very creepy until you find out he's like on your side. And yeah, I like, the addition of the Vortigons like as on your team. And I was doing a tiny bit of research that in the Half-Life one, they have on these green collars. It seems like that they're wearing like this green thing around their neck and their wrists. It seems like that they are prisoners of the main Nihilith alien guy. And when you kill that alien, it kind of releases them. And now the Vortigon don't have those green collars on and that's why they're now the allies of the humans because you kind of liberated them and that's another reason why they keep calling you the free man and you know they are looking up to you because you essentially freed them right and i i didn't get that the first time i played through and i i like that element of it because they become your allies and it's that's a big part of the game because they they heal you they get you out of problems they save alex like there's there's all these little instances where they're helping a ton. And I think that they become a very big character in the game and they're often overlooked. And we love how they talk. <laughs> the, the Freeman and the Eli Vance. 
The free man. <laughs> the free man honors us by his presence. <laughs> and dog, and dog. dog is a great oh. character. Absolutely. I love that he sometimes comes out of nowhere for the rescue. What do you think of Alex? Dr. Freeman, I presume. I, I like her. I, I, I don't appreciate her backward walking. Yeah, that's super <laughs> we weird. Choked I, about it. I don't understand what's going on with that. Like, this seems to be this thing where, like, the game is trying to maintain eye contact with you, mm-hmm. which means that sometimes if you're moving, maybe when you shouldn't be, she just starts walking backwards because she's yeah. either in conversation or whatever. So, like, it's like a super strange thing. But I just wonder what you think about her as a character. I love her. I I loved that she was there. I love that she is super capable. I like that you don't have to worry about her most of the time in fighting situations. Yeah, you never have to. um, I don't I'm trying to think. I don't think there was any point that you had to rescue her. No, I think there was one time, though, where I think I failed because she died. But it was like we were fighting side by side. You were fighting together. Yeah, Yeah. that was a different thing. Because like you have to rescue her father. Yep. And you never have to rescue her. She's always doing a thing, right? Yeah. How many tropes do we have of like women needing to be rescued by the Mm -hmm. hero? And in this game, they didn't just easily fall into that she's kind of an equal person with with gordon and she doesn't have the suit you know like she's out there and she's she's doing her squirrel tactics to get through this world and it's awesome and i would almost love a spin-off game where we get to be alex that would be awesome well i also like that she just has the infinite ammo pistol Yes, and the little um the the little open door magic thingy, and we're we're constantly like, give me that. Like, yeah, she has the I'll sonic screwdriver it. from Doctor Who, basically. And she yeah. can just open every door, uh, like especially at a point where it's like you're sending me into an area where uh, I need to be able to open doors, but like you just let me go on my own. <laughs> yeah, work you're it out. you're letting me climb through ducks and all kinds <laughs> of crazy stuff to get through, and you're just like, and it opens up. I mean, come on, equip me with one of those suckers. That would be awesome. <laughs> all right we're gonna clear the stage now okay for you to talk about music and sound oh good <laughs> good because the sound and the music the sounds in this are feel more prominent than the music a lot of times the music you get those good battle musics and it revs you up and it feels great uh the one kind of instance of music that is really stands out to me is kind of the calm peaceful music that you get in points when you feel like you're in a safe zone and it mellows out and that's the music I really enjoy from this game and it feels new and different but it's mostly about the sounds and they're great triggers for knowing exactly what is coming at you in this game because there are a lot of things out to get you as you're moving through this world and they all have their own little sounds that they make and you can tell in the from the distance of what's coming and you can prepare for it and i really like that they give you those rlqs and it it makes it really dynamic i mean we know you can hear a manhack coming from a mile away Ah. especially the way (laughs) (laughs) especially the way it echoes in the sewers the very first time you encounter them it's really good and the way they ricochet off the walls and they have those metal noises and then when you hit them and they malfunction (laughs) they go bad i mean there's so much right like you could hear a lot of this stuff in your head just by 
thinking about it. I mean, the little chirping noises of those ball mines, like they almost sound cute, right? Yes. But they want to kill you. So I don't like those things. <laughs> I like the ones that like get stuck to your car. Yeah. yeah they're so cute. Uh, the fluttering of the ant lions is so iconic. You could, and at first it's terrifying because they're against you. And then it's like a welcome sound when they're on your team. Mm-hmm. And you're like, oh, thank goodness I can let them free, especially when you're walking through... Um, Nova Prospect in the prison and you have to open up the holes for them to come in. I almost felt bad because they were my friends and, you know, sending them off to die, but whatever. Uh, the running of the zombies, the clinking on the, the rooftops, the grenades rolling, the the spider head crabs, which you, the little rattle sound of them, which Didn't you like those either. hated. No, <laughs> hated thank that. you. <laughs> oh, it's... It's so good that they, because it's such a dark game a lot of the times when you're inside or in Ravenholm or various areas that those sound cues are so helpful to knowing that the enemies are there yep. and it it makes it oh, they're just so dynamic and it really feels like you're sneaking through this world and the listening aspect of your stealthy gameplay is is very effective. Yeah, I was very impressed by... Again, like they they added so many different types of characters um, in, in this game. Like there's like a bunch of different monsters and a bunch of different things that you interact with. But as well as the visual differences, they do also have really striking audio differences. And I think that it was helpful to build with the world building to be mm-hmm. able to put that focus on it like they did because they clearly did. Um, I, I like with this game is different to most of the other games that we talk about. Like when we talk about the audio in most of the games, we talk about the music, but really the music does take kind of a backseat to the rest of the audio that's in this game. I mean, there isn't, yeah. for the majority of the time you're playing, there is no music anyway. Um, the, the music seems to come on at different times, but the overall kind of like the audio, the diegetic sound that you get, right? The, the sound that actually happening Look at you, in the vocab. world. I took media <laughs> studies. <laughs> just throw that out there. What just was that case? Diegetic sound. I just said the oh. sounds in the world, like you're the, so the bougie. I know. Look at me. Uh, they, they they work really well, and and I think that it is a, an overall great addition to this game, especially to like the much 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 richer world that they've built. Totally agree. Because most of the battle music too is just like that that standard montage fighting like like just put that mm-hmm. there you go. Do you like that? Uh, yeah, it's just it's not um, it's not spectacular, but that that peaceful music I, I really do like the contrast of that because a lot of times in in fighting battle games you don't get peaceful music, you get battle music or nothing. And I like that this game has the clear peaceful music. Yep. So, Mike. I think covered most of this. I think so. I, I can't think of anything else besides that this game is just spectacular. We've had some amazing moments on the stream and we talked about them on there. So you should definitely go watch that on YouTube. Yep. But yeah, I mean, this is one of my absolute favorite games. And watching you play this really reminded me of why I feel that way. And I'm just really pleased that you got to play it and that it stands up so well. You know, I didn't feel like I had to make any excuses for it. No, no. It was just, it stood on its own as this great, great game. And it's 15 years old. That's insane. I cannot fathom it like that it is that 
like I think about games of 15 years ago and, and this doesn't pop into my head of what I think would be a 15-year-old game. And it's not even just the graphics. It's not just that kind of stuff. I've played many first-person shooter campaign games and they all feel just like this one. Mm-hmm. And that's what's so wild to me. Half-Life 2 was clearly so ahead of its time and it set in motion the next 15 years of first-person shooter games because so many of the games that are still coming out today follow a lot of the same formula and haven't really done an awful lot to improve upon it. I mean, one of the reasons for this is because single-player campaigns in first-person shooters are mostly dying out and it's multiplayer, right? So, like, in the last few years, there hasn't been a lot of focus on enhancement, but there still was for a long time. That was what people were making and it is astounding to me that this one entry from all that time ago still kind of sets the bar for what makes an excellent experience in this genre i mean something had to be first and i'm so glad it was half-life all right so half-life is probably one of your if not the favorite one of your most favorite video game franchises of all time mm-hmm. so next time we're gonna tackle one of mine <laughs> Do you want to tell everybody what we're playing for our next game? On our next game, as a special birthday gift to Mike, we are playing Pokemon Let's Go. Yes. I want to be the very best. (laughs) 